how we treat our vendors, how we treat our employees, and how we build staff is the single most important investment that you need to make. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we are joined by Nir Bashan. Uh, excited for him to share some of his story. Creativity expert, so comes at it from a different perspective than what we're typically used to hearing. So excited for him to share his story. Nir, you uh, mind introducing yourself, giving a little background uh, to the audience? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, my, my name is Nir Bashan. As he said, uh, I do... Uh, creativity. I'm a creativity expert. I help businesses become more creative. Uh, I work a lot in the financial sector, uh, financial services sector with different groups from the mortgage collaborative to uh, different building associations and all kinds of uh, financial services uh, organizations like the IIA, the Internal Institute of Auditors on really thinking beyond the analytics, right? Uh, I think Y'all have the analytics in spades and you don't need somebody else to, you know, show you how to look at that stuff and what to do with the numbers. But what I sort of project is a, uh, is the missing link between, you know, why it is that we're not getting what we need done um, based on the analytics and how to bridge that gap in, in terms of how to get a complete picture of what the analytics tell us. How does a creativity expert like yourself come into contact with an auditor's association? Those don't seem to match, right? Like how did that engagement happen? Isn't it crazy? Yeah. So for me, it's really, uh, I published a book called The Creator Mindset, which is a book on how to become more creative at work. Uh, McGraw-Hill released it and we just actually got nominated top 100 nonfiction book of all time. How crazy is that? Top 100 nonfiction book of all time. And so this book is really about learning how to train a different portion of your mind in order to do better at work and in order to realize the potential that every human being has. So this is really all about helping auditors and helping people in different financial services and also other fields, um, how to sort of re-engage a portion of their mind that has been left to kind of wither out. Um, I believe that we were all creative as children, all of us. And somewhere along the line, we just lost our touch of creativity. We started to become more and more analytical for a bunch of reasons, Why, right? There's schools and all kinds of reasons. And here we are, we're working professionals, entrepreneurs, or we're working in a organization and we just, we stop becoming creative. We just look at the analytics and we say, okay, um, these numbers will help drive our growth because that's what they say. And, you know, I, I say stuff like the best analytics you can possibly provide for an organization, especially if you're a, a you know, in the financial um, department, you know, you're a, a CFO or something like that, is a snapshot of something that happened in the past. At best, you're looking at something that happened in the past using a rear view mirror approach 
to try to get somewhere in the future. And so I say, let's stop that and let's really explore the creative thing that we all had as children and use that to propel our business forward. A lot of things bouncing in my head that we'll uh, we'll unpack as we go along. Um, as we take that framework, right, the creativity mindset, uh, the creator mindset, and, and uh, we apply it, right, for us, uh, it's all about once you reach that point of profitability, right? Well, I didn't have to worry about roof over the head, food on the table. So I'm curious, you know, how did that mindset influence how you looked at you know, your investments as you were coming into profitability and where you put your money, uh, you know, when you first did it and, you know, how has that changed to where you are now? It's a really good question. It's a really good question. What, what I do, you know, my, my road has been really crash and burn, right? Some like great things and some horrible things have happened. And I think I've learned that the most important investment that we can make is into our resources, right? It literally uh, our staff and who we tend to hire work with our vendors, so on and so forth. I think that that's kind of the accumulation of 25 years of, of working, having, I don't know, maybe six or seven companies to date, uh, having made, you know, a lot on some companies and having made nothing and even losing on others. I think the, <laughs> the the bottom line is how we treat our vendors, how we treat our employees, and how we build staff is the single most important investment that you need to make. Now, a lot of times it's not a financial investment, right? It's just an issue of taking time with an email and not just being an asshole about it, you know, and taking time to even just uh, greet somebody and say hi, so and so. Thanks for the the nice note. You, you know, you, we're so busy these days. I'm sure you and your audience are on calls nonstop, right? We're all at home. We're on Zoom. And it's just, you know, nine to five every day, nonstop, right? And so you, you're like, oh, I don't have time. I just need to reply to this person. So you, you do the one-liner replies, you know, um, get this done tomorrow, you know, and then you send it. And people are like, wow, really? Hey. It's just you lose an opportunity there to just greet somebody with some basic decency, right? And that is a, a creative thing, right? We're, analytically, you would say, you know, near just send the email, right? Because if you can gain five or 10 seconds over the full day, it adds up. You have five more minutes at the end of the day to do something great with it, right? And so I say, no, absolutely not. That's not what you need to do. You need to take your time to write a nice email back, even if it's get this proposal off to Ted by three o'clock, you know, hi, Mary, thanks for the nice note. You know, be genuine. It's an opportunity to engage. We're working remote now mainly. And although we're starting to see some stuff come back in person, it's really all about choosing how to invest in relationships and building those bonds that end up in the long term becoming more profitable for you. How do you identify which relationships or which people uh, to invest in or put that you know added effort in, right? Because some people end up not working out, right? Some people uh, tend to be short timers and are using it to jump from one to another, right? And so 
what's your approach or how do you identify in terms of who those that team is or those partners, right? Is there a something that you think through in terms of how you align uh, with those people um, to make sure, right? Obviously, here's the analytical side, right? Like, hey, it's got to pay off in the future, right? Um, but I'm sure there's something that, uh, that you guys go through as well. And whether it's a feeling or something like that in terms of like, uh, hey, this works and this makes sense. And yeah, I'm investing and, you know, it's going to be better for everyone in the future. Yeah, definitely. I, and it's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. So I, I am, because I sort of combine the analytic and the creative together, uh, you have to make some calls at some point, right? You can't just be, you know, taking 20 minutes on every email. I get it. But that's not really what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting the tangential nature of everything that we do every day can manifest itself in so many different ways. Now, I'm not an artist. I'm not a sculptor. I'm not telling you, oh, align your inner chakras and meditate on, you know, Solomon's seven tones. I mean, if you want to do that and it's good for you, go for it, right? I'm, I'm all about it if it's, if it's helping you. My approach is not that of an artist. My approach is somebody who's really pragmatic, but uses creativity to get results. And so I believe in the tangential nature of the relationship. So you're asking like, okay, well, who do you invest in if you only have so many hours in the day? And I say, well, you know, you never know. That person that's hopping from job to job just might be your next vendor. They might be your next supplier. They might be somebody who you will hire later or somebody who might hire you. That's happened to me countless times in my career, countless times, right? It's that like interim that you hire out of school. You're like, dude, like, you know, this guy's not going anywhere, right? You're like, whatever. And then they, they open up a shop and they like compete against you. Right. And, and you have just so many hours in the day to get work done. I suggest that people invest very heavily in relationships because those are the only things that stand the test of time. Everything else is bullshit. The, you know, Twitter and like, you know, Instagram and who's popular on whatever is something that comes and goes. And, and technology in a way is very similar to that. It comes and it goes, but something that stays here forever and really is truly a a thing that can be measured regardless of anything is is our relationship with people right it's always a predictable always a never ending source of you know joy or communication or sometimes even conflict um but when we when we take time to really invest in those things, those are the things that pay off in the long run. Now, I can't connect a one-to-one -to, -one to you, but I will promise you that in the long term, just taking 10 extra seconds to say, hi, Mary, in the email, rather than get the proposal to Ted, comma, in your name. Some people don't even put their name, right? Because it's in their signature. Get the proposal to Ted, you know, and then send because your name's baked in. I don't know. You know, I, I really suggest that you take time to find something, find anything to just up the level of the relationship a little bit. And you might find that it won't be an immediate payback. And you know what? Forget immediate payback. If people are looking for get rich quick you know, schemes and all that stuff, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. So what are I'm some of the long term? 
Yeah. So you mentioned investing in relationships. What are some of the things in your mind that contribute to that investment that are missed uh, more often than not in today's society? So we've kind of talked about the email and being more um, thoughtful, right? Can, making points of connectivity there. Uh, what are those other areas that you see as you know um, missing components that you know we should be building that relationship on? So I talk a lot in the book about doing stuff in person as much as you can, and I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, or maybe hopefully the end of it now. And you know people are a little gun shy about it, uh, but you know the more that you can do in person, the better. I'm I'm an advocate of real relationship, emotional uh, exchanges, um, you know, empathy, having somebody to sit down with and explain something when they don't understand it or listening so that you can learn it. Um, really, it's really all about the listening, increasing the listening and increasing the sense of, um, of curiosity that you have towards people. And when you invest in those things, they are investments that are always, always, um, worthwhile. So I want to pull back a little bit, right? We talked about investing with people who are your employees. Mm-hmm. How do you approach recruiting and hiring? Uh, and how does the creator mindset factor into, uh, you know, who you're bringing on? So I do a workshop on diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging that it's different than everybody else's, right? Everybody else's is about blame. Oh, you know, I'm going to blame you because you've been, were born in a certain color of skin or something. And no, oh, you know, there's so much oppression going on. And what I do is I open that talk by talking about how there hasn't been one society on earth that has gotten where they need to go or has elevated themselves by being a victim, right? So we get that off the table first. And then we go into uh, something pretty radical. And and honestly, I've never finished the presentation. I've delivered it uh, about a dozen times and I've never gotten to the end because generally people who are in the audience are like, wait, I got a question. And I have to break people up into groups in the middle of the talk. I leave the stage. I go, okay, you guys get together, start talking, you guys get together. Because people have never heard it this way, right? The creative way to hire people and the creative way to recruit is really all about using your own resources of who you are as a company and who you are as a brand and really percolating it up through the whole organization, not just a top-down, we need diversity approach, which is what most companies do, but really engaging in a particular creative approach. One of the things that people can do today, if they want to get more creative about hiring, is looking at the U.S. military. We have one of the most incredible sources of staffing on earth. And we find that in the amazing people who come out of the military. They transition into civilian life. And a lot of times they can't find a job because their skills on their resume are tank mechanic. And, you know, this kind of thing and that kind of thing. And you're like, I'm just looking for a PM at a software company, right? Like, how do I do that? And what people don't realize is that is the exact person that you need because, you know, somebody who has um, mechanic experience is good at taking 
a multiple sort of uh, pronged approach to a problem, right? They they analyze the problem, make a list of things that they need to do to repair that problem and get that uh, vehicle out the door. So that is a perfect person for a project manager, but people aren't creative for the most part. This is why I do this. People go, well, near if it doesn't say project manager and it doesn't have three years of experience at this software company and five years at this place, then how can I expect them to hit the ground running? I'm not a school near. I'm a I'm an employer. Why why should I do that? And the answer to that is really simple. One, if you hire from the US military, you get incredibly diverse people that apply. I, I mean, you're gonna get it's wonderful. Two, you get a chance to have somebody who's mission focused, right? They they literally execute mission. So believe me, like getting your your software PMing between uh, you know the vendor who needs to supply this certain piece of code for the software or whatever is going to be like child's play to them. They they get it. It's not it's not like mission critical. Nobody's going to die in that situation, which is what they're used to. So. You know, so those are really the two the two things. But the best part is that when you bring in somebody that doesn't have that chronological history on their resume, you get fresh ideas, you get creativity from the get go. So you're not training them. You're not like, oh, I'm not a school. You know, I'm an employer. You don't get any of that. You get somebody who hits the ground running within a week or two of asking a lot of questions and stuff like that. You get them engaged and then you get them saying to you, well, why are we doing it this way? Why are we approaching it that way? And you get the opportunity to go, yes, finally, somebody's looking at this in a different way. And it's not just me constantly or, you know, my staff or my leadership team constantly going after trying to reinvent the way that people do things. It's coming organically from the bottom up. So that's one way that you can use creativity to recruit and to hire. Almost like you got to change what you do to change the outcome. Weird. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, as you were talking about investing in relationships, right? Creator mindset. Was there anything that was different for you as you were going through kind of the first part of the companies versus, you know, when you made it, right? You mentioned some of the companies did really, really well. Was there anything that was different uh, in terms of, you know, how you allocated or where you invested for the companies that did really, really well versus when you were first starting up and reaching that point of profitability? Yeah. When I first started out, I started, I did a lot of stupid things, right? I invested like heavily in marketing when I didn't need to invest in marketing, right? I made mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Um, I would, um, you know, uh, spend money on, on things that, just didn't really have a good ROI because I thought that these are the types of things that I should be doing because I read a book or, uh, you know, listened to a podcast and heard somebody I admire approach it in that way. And it kind of ruined it, right? Because I ended up spending a lot of time and money and effort on things that weren't really effective. So everybody's got to find their own rhythm, right? There's no no manual for any of this stuff. If there were, I'd be a gajillionaire. I would publish it. Trust me, man. I'd put it out there. I'd say, hey, this is the recipe. Go follow it. There is no recipe. There is no one way to do it. Every company, every initiative, every project is completely different. And the way that you approach that project is inherent to your ability to create 
something, right? And, and we are all creative as children. We are all creative as adults, but we hide that creative side down because we're afraid that it might be, you know, something too wacky or whatever. But when you are actually true to who you are as a person, who you are as a business, that creativity starts to come up. It really is that bubbling up of those thoughts and ideas that you have. And you go, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I need to do that. You know, the more you squash those down, the more that this issue sort of comes up where you don't end up doing well. So um, really the difference between the investments that have done well and the investments that haven't is I think maturity <laughs> in some way and understanding that just because somebody else did it this way doesn't mean that I can do it this way, even though it's supposedly an identical path. Right. And the third thing I would say is that you really have to listen to that voice that tells you, yeah, maybe I should do this. And you go, no, no way I'm going to do that. And the voice goes, well, it might be a really great thing to do. That's that's creativity coming out. That is how creativity comes out in 99 percent of people on Earth. Listening to that gut, right? Uh, your body tells you a lot of things, and we uh, we push it down a lot of times, but uh, it makes perfect sense. The more I've listened to my gut, the better things have been uh, for me, um, right? Because there's something yep. deep down, creativity, you know, that you had as a kid that's telling you like either this is awesome or stay away, right? And uh, whichever way it is, and uh, the more I suppress it, the more I fight it. Uh, and it creates more conflict, right? Uh, yep. I'm not being true to myself, right? So uh, I've learned that- coming out, that little voice, that little gut, that is who your creative person is. Listen, we've done research and we've studied all over the world, communication skills and, and creativity. And, you know, babies are creative before they even develop language skills, right? The babies can take a Cheerio out of a, of, out of a bottle Everywhere in the world, every culture from Africa, Asia, everywhere in the world, right about four months, four and a half months, something like that, everywhere. Like it's, it's amazing, you know, and that's how we process the world by solving it through creative means. We don't develop, oh, you know, if I shake it six times and flip it over two times, then, you know, the eighth time will yield. Nobody thinks like that. Um, they think creatively first and then as adults, we stifle that down. So it's time to start listening to that voice again. As we're wrapping up here, Neo, what's, uh, what's the best way for the audience to connect back with you? Sure. I'd love to hear from you guys. I got a website. It's my name, N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N.com. Um, very easy to find. Just Google my name. There's not many near Bashans in the world. I think there's only three of them. Um, so Google my name. I'm, I'm there. Uh, I publish with CEO world with real leaders, a bunch of different magazines and uh, would love to hear from your audience. I'm very, very easy to get a hold of. Just send me an email. All of my stuff is on my website. Awesome. Appreciate the time today, Nir. Thanks, man. Thank you for joining us today on the prosperity perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to the prosperity where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 